I took my Strava maps from my runs and I hand stitched them into like big woodcut prints. And so the longer the run, the bigger the print. And the whole process of stitching is you have to go two steps forward and then stitch back. So with every step you take, you might have some setbacks, but you're always moving forward. Welcome to this episode of the For What's Ahead podcast. I'm your host, James Snyder. Let's get ready to listen. Welcome back to the For What's Ahead podcast. Today I'm joined by FCDS's middle school art teacher and assistant cross-country and track coach, Maddie Stambaugh. How are you, Miss Stambaugh? Good. Thanks for having me, James. I'm really excited for this interview. Awesome. That's awesome to hear. I'd like you to take me back to your first experience with art. What do you remember about it? Yeah, I've always loved art. It was always my favorite subject. And growing up in Philly, I had my mom working at the Met in New York City. So I'd often go in on weekends and just sit in the galleries. And so my love of art not only was creating it, but also just admiring it and appreciating it all around me. It's really, really cool. As a student, did you have a specific teacher that inspired you to create and push your creativity? Yeah, it was when I got to high school. Mr. Love, he I had him all four years of school, and it was a tight-knit, close, small class. And he just became that person that we'd eat lunch in his classroom. Mm-hmm. We'd always w- wish that art lasted way more than 50 minutes. And he encouraged me to pursue a career in art teaching. And at the time, I was always like, no, I'm just going to become an elementary teacher mm-hmm. and teach kindergarten. And then after one year of teaching kindergarten, I made that pivot. So you received your bachelor's degree in elementary education and studio art from Wake Forest, Mm -hmm. and then your master's degree in art education from Boston University. Uh, How would you describe your educational journey? Was it a linear process that you knew what you wanted to do the whole time? Yeah, I think it ebbed and flowed, but I think ultimately I'm on the path that I always saw myself going on, keeping my passion aligned with what I'm actually doing. And I think that's the best part is that I get to wake up and know that I'm doing what I love. And so even though I wondered at times if teaching was it versus an art career in another path like graphic design, which at any moment that could have been what I chose to do in college. But I think the best choice I made for myself was pursuing that master's online while I was teaching full time because it not only allowed me to soak in what I was learning, but also apply it the next day. And it also happened at the time that the pandemic did. And so virtual learning was just not new to me. So Zoom was very familiar. That's worked out well. Yes. You also competed in athletics as a student in high school. Can you tell me about your experiences as a high school uh, student athlete? Yeah, I always ran, um, but soccer was my main sport which is funny because a lot of soccer players often just pivot into running. But I started track, like CYO track in first grade, and it was always just fun for me. And then I got to high school, and track was always about the people. It was a really big team, and I almost did lacrosse, and then I decided ultimately to run. And I didn't really quite find my event until my third year because I was an 800-mile and 2-mile So you're always wondering, which, and you know the feeling between that. I was, what are you going to do on a given day versus like doing all of them? And so I ultimately found that the mile was my niche. And it wasn't until college where I just took that running distance to the whole next level. Mm -hmm. So now you're a distance runner. Uh, When did you discover your love for distance running and marathons? 
Yeah, I think when I got to college, I was burned out not only from soccer, but running and just having to do it for a competition and trying to reach that certain next level. Um, Because after my senior year of high school, I had looked to play and run in college, but the schools I wanted to go to were schools that ultimately I probably wasn't going to be able to run it or play soccer. And I played club soccer all through Wake, and I just ran on my own. And so it was in the Ronalda Gardens and just all through Buena Vista that I just kind of put some headphones on, which I didn't do in track in high school. And I did my first marathon my sophomore year, which was the Philadelphia one, which is home for me. And a friend of mine was at Boston College, and she was like, let's just do one. And Mm -hmm. we did. And she hasn't done one since, and that's totally cool. But I think I got hooked, and I've just completely found that that's my passion, and it helps me be the best version of myself and everything. So you've stayed in the Winston area since your time at Wake. I actually didn't. I graduated from Wake in 2017, and I moved to Connecticut for two years, and I taught elementary. Okay. And then I came back down, and this is this job brought me back down. But Winston was so familiar. So after your 28 marathons this past fall, you competed in your first Ironman. Can you tell me a little bit about your Ironman experience and all the hours of training that went into that event? Yeah. So in the marathoning world, you get often asked a couple questions. One is, how many have you done? Two, have you done Boston? And after that, it's like, what's next? And my goal in the beginning was to do 50 marathons by the time I was 50. And so I'm, I'm well on the way yes. to doing that below that mark. And so that what next question was always on the top of my head. And it's not just to hit that next thing and to check a box. It really was what can I do to challenge myself that w- is within a reach? Or if it's not, like the fact that I could say I still tried. And so about a year ago, last May, I got an email through Athletic Brewing Company, which is a non-alcoholic brewing company that's blowing up the world right now. It actually just got put on the Times Top 100 Most Influential Businesses, and it just gives an option for so many people. But I got involved because the network of people and their stories, because I think a lot of what we do, we connect with people and their stories, which is totally the world of podcasting. Yeah. And so they just kind of, they're the new sponsors for Ironman Oceanside, California, half Ironman, and then Ironman full Barcelona. And so they sent an email saying, do you want to run one, like a contest? And you had to apply. And I know on paper, I look pretty qualified to test this out for the first time, but I, I don't, I didn't even have a triathlon bike, a real one to, to go for this. I'd not ever ridden or done even one triathlon. And so I just entered being like, I'm not going to get this. It's during the school year. I possibly couldn't even take a week off. And a couple weeks later, I got the yes, and I had seven days to respond. And the first person I went to was Kevin Westwood, who's our school's athletic trainer. Yes. And he was totally positive about it. He knows a lot about bikes. He's incredible, and he helped the entire summer. And he helped encourage me to know that I could do this if I just put my mind to it and from that moment on, it was full-on Ironman training, which was not super hard to get into. I had just run my fastest marathon at the time, and so the running base I had built was great to have then just spent most of my time biking and swimming all summer. So was it a towards-the-end-of-the-week decision? 
Or was it? It was in right the away? middle, actually. I think part, it was a fight between my head and my heart. My head was more realistic of like the logistics behind it. I had to take almost a week off of school and my heart just wanted to say yes right away, but I had no experience. So I needed to ask around. And then tell me about the actual event. Yeah. So it was October 3rd and leading up to it, I mean, my training was exactly what I needed it to be without being it too much, having it be too much because it can consume your world. And it, I was lucky I had summer as a teacher. I don't think I could do one yeah. without summer. Like I haven't done one since. I haven't trained as hard as that. But I think all summer I grew more confident. Like those mile markers you hit, not only in running, but anything. So when I hit that 100-mile bike ride, that was really awesome to see that I could do that. Except I had not done that back-to-back with a marathon. Yeah, I know what a marathon feels like, but yeah. you don't know what that feels like after you've already gone for almost, gosh, nine hours, seven hours. Um, and so I think September, August, September, once school started back, the training aligned with starting to taper because I co- assistant coach cross-country and just the busyness of life helped me sort of wind down and focus on like making the sub plans and Finding, making sure all the logistics for the trip and flights were set because COVID was still kind of in a tough place right there with yeah. traveling. I know there was a couple of people whose hotels were canceling on them. So it all worked out in the end and then the trip was great. I'm sure you're going to ask about it, but um, I just feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to do that because I don't know if that will ever come around again. And I was the first one on the team to do the full they actually have the Oceanside this coming weekend tomorrow, so they've got the second round of the team going. But it's something that I'll always look back on, and I did finish. I wondered a lot if, what if I didn't finish? Would I still be proud of myself? And the answer is yes, but I don't have to worry about that. I did finish. Yeah, you're an Iron Man. Yeah, I am, and I, I the swim they cut short because the weather on the day of was kind of treacherous. They they cut it down to almost like 850 meters, so. Some people will say I didn't do a full one, but I I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. So at your peak training, what was like your weekly cycling, running, swimming? Oh, that's a great question. I should have gone back to Strava to check because you can probably double <laughs> yeah. cross me on this. But running was prob- definitely not as long high mileage as if I was training for a marathon, but I was getting up to 40 miles and what's different about the running when you're training for an Ironman is you often want to pair the running right after the bike because when you get off the bike, your legs feel like they're spinning. So if you can just do a couple miles that way. And biking, someone would say I could have done more um, if I spent more time to it, but I think total hours spent training all week would be about 15 to 17. Swimming was great. I worked at Fleet Feet last summer and they had the LA Fitness right next door. So it was easy to pair that on. Now, the race was in the Mediterranean Sea, so I did not get any ocean practice. I got two practices out at campaigns. So that was new for And me. open water swimming is very different. Oh, it's very pool. different. Yeah. yeah, and throw on top of the huge waves they put on us. I'm pretty sure I did side stroke the whole time. Yeah. Just trying to get through it. Oh, yeah, you got to be able to see the huge buoys ahead. So you hinted at this earlier, but tell me about the trip to Barcelona and what that was like. Yeah, it was really cool. And 
as it got closer, things started to align. Like I feel very fortunate that through a connection, a friend in Winston and a host family opportunity that they had, they hosted a, a daughter of a family who actually lives about 10 minutes from this town, uh, Calais, Spain, which is about an hour north of Barcelona. And so as people's hotels were starting to cancel, I reached out to Austin to connect me to Lara and they just, they completely took me in. They picked me up from the airport. They had me stay at their house. And so I felt very safe in my time there in the week of feeling like COVID was still there. I know I definitely didn't want to catch it because I had to come back and run Boston the next week and come back to school. So it all just worked out really well. And once I got there, I had to get my bike assembled. So it was, it was all very smooth. I, I look back and I say, if any flights were delayed, it all could have gone a different way. So it was great. And it's a lot more gear to have to travel with than, oh, it's tons. than just marathon running. It's tons. I contemplated shipping the bike, but with the backlash of how long it would take, I ended up checking it and just praying that it was under the plane. And it all worked out so well. Yeah, the family connected me to a bike shop right there. And having Athletic Brew as my sponsor, like I was wearing the kit of mm -hmm. the race. And so everyone was looking at me being like, are you famous? I'm like, no. But we had VIP passes. Like it, it felt like an, a surreal experience and it will never come around again. Maybe I could apply next year. But it was as my first one, it couldn't have been any better. So are you part of the athletic brewing team? Like, are they sponsoring you? How does that all work? Yeah. So it, it was through the contest. It was, they covered the price of the race for you and they provided you the kit but everything else sort of they helped plan logistics like they gave you some places in mind to stay and to go I felt lucky I had the host family so I didn't have to worry about hotels or transportation um, and then as far as the bike and the gear that's on us I found a cheap web or um, wetsuit on eBay and Kevin helped me find a bike on Facebook marketplace so as far as the planning, it's tons of planning, but they they do weekly check-ins. Like, I'm still part of the team communication for the people going off this year, and it helps to have some tips and advice for mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Have you been back on the bike or back in the pool since? Yeah, it was a weird feeling getting back on the bike once it got back to me in October, and then it started to be winter, and my bike group still goes out in the high winds, and I'm the wimp being like, y'all, I'm taking the winter off. I'll come back in the spring. And so I have been back in the pool and obviously ha I have been running, but running kind of took over and it's hard to break my marathon habit. It's so easy to just kind of lace up your sneakers yeah. than it is to like make sure, like right now I need to get my bike tuned and new chains on it. And Pump so, up tires before you go oh, out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my tires are totally flat, flat from sitting for two months. But I'll get that going soon because it's starting to get nice out. And I'm going to kind of gear up for summer triathlons of shorter distance. And then possibly a half Ironman in the fall, if not definitely in the spring. Because if I'm being honest, they're, they're very expensive. And I have a couple marathons on my list already just from deferrals from COVID. But it's not not in my plans to do another full Ironman. It just takes a lot of training time it would need to be after a summer definitely yeah definitely maybe next year and you mentioned you have boston coming up yes so i actually did the fall version of boston the week after the iron man i got back Oof. 
Yeah, I, I I could do anything if I could do a marathon a week after an Ironman. But yes, the Boston is back to its normal date on April 18th. And I am in that weird in between with training, having, having just done one two weeks ago. So I'm just kind of, my goal for Boston is always just to enjoy it, take it all in. I have tons of friends up there, so. It's a beautiful run also. Yeah, we are all predicting the weather last night. We were talking to some coaches last night. It could be 20 degrees or it could be 90 degrees. Something and, in between we'll definitely get. And people show out to run it and cheer for it. Yeah, and this is the first year in three years. It's back to full capacity, full crowd size. So that would awesome. be awesome. Do you see a connection between your passion for art and your passion for running? Like, for example, do you see each race as an opportunity to create? Yes, and that's a great question because that actually was my master's thesis. I connected running and art and the concept of flow, which is coined by um, Mahali, Csikszentmihalyi. Um, and it was just when you were so enthralled with an activity that you just sort of zone out or tune mm-hmm. out everything and you could go or do that said thing for a long time. And so for me, that's always been running. It doesn't take long for me to reach flow and to just do it for the joy of it. And that's also art because I've always been asked well, how could you make art for a couple hours versus, or how could you run for a couple hours? And I always said, well, they're kind of the same for me. Like I have that ability to just tap in to what I'm doing if I love it and just go. And so I, I connected the two. I did a lot of reflective journal processes and I actually recorded myself like a podcast after all my runs and just kind of talked through the flow feeling and then I I took my Strava maps from my runs and I hand stitched them into like big woodcut prints and so the longer the run the bigger the print and the whole process of stitching is you have to go two steps forward and then stitch back so with every step you take you might have some setbacks but you're always moving forward so there was a lot of metaphors in it my my advisor almost said you got to pick one you got you're going off on so many tangents but it was awesome. Yeah, I remember this past summer with my training. Each day would revolve around like when I get my run done, and I was completely okay with that. Like I get my run done, and then the day is fantastic. Right. And it doesn't matter what time of day that run is because it's all like, oh, I know I'm going to feel better after. Yeah. What's your favorite part about teaching and coaching? Yeah, I think it's being able to get to know students in a different capacity. We all definitely have long days, and students have all the work that they – probably push back after after practice and that's okay because those moments and hours of practice that's often where they like they're living for those moments or they're excited for that time of the day and they just get to be a different side of them Mm -hmm. that they don't have the chance to from eight to three so and I teach middle school so it's a really cool opportunity to get to know the high school as well. Yeah, you see them as middle school students, yeah. middle school athletes, and then one day as yeah. high school athletes. I know it. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. What are you looking forward to the most, either in your own training, coaching, or teaching? Yeah, I think in all realms, I, I am a lifelong learner. I am always trying to dip my toes into different areas. So with running, I... And with coaching in school, I am, I'm right now trying to get into coaching distance runners like online or get into marathon coaching because it's a huge business and I've done so many for myself so far that I really am trying to seek opportunities to help others, mm-hmm. whether that's just with tips and advice to actually 
getting paid to come up with plans for people. And I'm, I'm getting into race timing, which is a cool side gig, volunteer and paid. I would love to add the hat race director to my list one day. Um, obviously, maybe not the Boston Marathon, but maybe a marathon, hopefully. And then I think with teaching, just finding ways that I can always grow as a professional. That's great. Finally, do you have any uh, advice for everyone listening? You've been a high school athlete. You're a teacher. You have many approaches to this. Yeah, I think the coolest thing is that if I look back on who I was in middle and high school, I didn't even know the capacity for what I would be able to do. And I had no idea that I would be doing Ironmans, let alone this many marathons. And you do not have to run a marathon to feel accomplished. But whatever, and I told the middle school when I showed them my slideshow, is whatever you like to do, try and find a way to keep that in everything else that you're doing, whether that's like working towards a goal and to take advantage of celebrating the small steps along the way because I might be running really fast times right now, but that's not going to be forever, and it definitely wasn't always. And so I look back on my first ones, my slow ones, the hard ones, with a lot of gratitude because it takes a long way. They built you to where you are. Yeah. And so whatever they think they can do right now, they can do so much more. That's great. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thanks, James, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the For What's Ahead podcast. The goal of this podcast is to build community through sharing of ideas and stories. So if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe.